Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Welcome to our latest podcast. Today we have with us John O'Neill, who is a Asheville, North Carolina stage manager who also enjoys being on stage every now and then. He works primarily in Asheville, and he, well, what I like about, I, there's multiple things I like about him, obviously, because we brought him on the podcast, um, but he likes doing the community theaters, the smaller stuff. Asheville is a wonderful city to be in. I've visited a few times and really love it. Um, he also works with children and he has his own podcast called Stand By Go, which we were obviously going to get to because um, we want to talk about podcast stuff. So welcome to our podcast, John. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. How are you all doing today? Pretty good. Yeah, just, I'm doing pretty good. The sun came just, out. It rained this morning, which is a little weird for Southern California. <laughs> that is true. But besides that, we're good. We're just hanging out in, um, I don't know, month three or something of quarantine. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I lost count at this point. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, was, I don't know, six, seven, I don't know, whatever. So how did you get into theater? I think you mentioned right before this that you didn't start in stage management. You, so I'm assuming you started as an actor because it's usually where people start. Don't assume yeah. things, twin. Not everyone has to act. Okay, yeah, I know. But that's where people start originally. <laughs> Typically. Yeah, so I started uh, all the way back in fourth grade. Um, I was in a I was in a production in my elementary school of Wizard of Oz, uh, where I played the wizard, and it was the first of four times I've done Wizard of Oz. Throughout That's amazing! My, I've never done Wizard of Oz. Yeah, throughout in in, in many different uh, capacities, and so I did it. It was. It was a way that they got all the arts together. So we would act our character until we got to the song and then we would stop. And then the choir, the chorus would stand up and, and sing the songs. And I did that. I was the wizard. And then I was Captain Hook in fifth grade uh, where I almost took my hook off, which uh, was really, really funny. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure, like, I'm pretty sure I heard my sister who was in theater gasp from the audience <laughs> right before I took the hook off. Um, <laughs> she's like no don't yeah, do it yeah yeah and so uh so i did those two in elementary school then i didn't really do anything in middle school um i think i was too cool for school when it came to uh being in theater in middle school um but then in eighth grade my sister who graduated from a little private school in western north carolina called mars hill she was a stage manager at um the local regional theater in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, which is Kafir Regional Theater. And she was a stage manager and she um, needed an emergency backstage person. One of her backstage people uh, had to have emergency surgery or something. And I was off school. So she called my mom and said, hey, can uh, John come do backstage? And that is where I fell in love with doing backstage. I went back there, um, moved some flats. Me and one other guy pushed out a big old bandstand by ourselves. Uh, we it was Smokey Joe's Cafe, and uh-huh. uh, it, from that moment on, I loved technical theater, and so I did pretty much everything you can think of technical theater wise, except for costume stuff um over the we next all, there's always you know, one thing you don't get to yeah 
Well, in my mind, I was like, nobody wants me to try and do anything with costumes. I did help with a with a quick change once, so maybe maybe that is my little dabble into it. Um, right. that was, you uh, tried out the waters and you decided, yeah. nope, yeah, no, that was it. And uh, <laughs> but I did probably a dozen shows throughout high school um, as a tech person, whether it's backstage spotlight operator, fly rail operator, which was my favorite thing to do was to run the fly rail. And the, but at the same time I started acting in my high school theater productions. So I was actually acting in my high school theater productions. So in rehearsals and shows in the afternoon, and then I would go to regional theater at night and weekends for shows. So I was getting experience both on stage and backstage at the same time. So did you ever work backstage at your high school or you're only on stage at high school and only backstage at the community uh, theater? So I was, let's see, I did do one show backstage. Um, I think it was Tartuffe. Um, in high school, my high school theater teacher was uh, also my sister, so it was a lot of fun. Um, that, that helps. Yeah. How much older so, is your sister? Uh, I'm sorry. How much older is she than you? She's nine years older than I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty big jump. Yeah, and so she, uh, once I and once I got used to calling her Miss O'Neill, she went ahead and got married and changed the last name, so I didn't have to. <laughs> I then had to get trained on calling her by the new last name. Um, but no, it was a lot of fun because it, it was it was a way that we got to connect and I got to be directed. And then I was also um, backstage for Tartuffe. But then one time I was both her stage manager and in a show. Oh, that's rough. In the same show. Uh, yeah. So it was my senior year and she decided to do romeo and juliet and i'm not a big fan of shakespeare um which will be really ironic once we get later on down the story um <laughs> but so i told her you know i'm not gonna do it but uh, i will be your stage manager and so i did some stage management and she went through i think three lord capulets and it was two <laughs> weeks before the show and she says i don't care if they hold the script i just want somebody who can learn the blocking or who already knows it and we were both leaning against the stage and I saw the light bulb go off over her head. And you were like, oh. and she just, and so I'm just like, I'm just like writing in my script. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't make slowly, eye contact. Don't make eye contact. And she slowly turns her head. And then like, I was like, fine. Yeah, I'll do it. So I was, <laughs> I, was like, I don't through, know the blocking. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get away with that. Cause I was standing in for Capulet for the last like month and a half. Of course, right. Yeah, and she was pregnant <laughs> with uh with my first niece. So it was like I can't really say no to her right now. Uh, so, uh, siblings. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm holding my script on stage, going through the lines. I actually uh call a cue from on stage. Uh we didn't we didn't have lights or sound. We were in a gymatorium. Uh so stage at the end of a basketball arena uh, gym. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I called a one or two set changes from on stage with some hand signals with my ASMs. Uh yeah, that was my senior year. Then I went off to college and I spent like the next six years not knowing what on earth I wanted to do. And you didn't so think when theater I, when you went to college or what did you go to college for? I initially went to college for theater education and then I decided 
that um, I wanted for theater to be my uh, my fun activity, not the thing that I had to do for the rest of my life at this point. So I went to be a K six elementary school teacher. Uh, and, and, and all, I almost went to culinary school at one, at one point I was on a, on the road to go to divinity school at one point. So my life was just kind of up in the air, but the one thing I always did was theater. So I found, uh, there is a local community college in Fayetteville that put on shows that you didn't have to go to the school to be a part of. And so I, um, auditioned for Fiddler on the Roof after I found out about the audition two days before got in there. And then I did their musical every year for like six years or something like that. Um, a long time. And it was a lot of fun and I'm still in, in connection with a lot of those folks. And, uh, then I also did some theater with this little theater in, um, Dunn, North Carolina where I did beauty and the beast and wizard of Oz. And that was my third time as Wizard of Oz, doing Wizard of Oz, where I was the Tin Man. And then, uh, and I, the second time I did it, I did it in high school as a backstage stagehand. So that's the three times that I've done it. And then when I was doing Wizard of Oz, I realized that I needed to go back to school. And I came back to UNC Asheville, which is where I started in 2006. And it was a Sunday afternoon and I was driving back to Virginia where I lived in Virginia for a little while. And I stopped on campus on Sunday night as the, as the sun was going down and I was standing on the library steps of UNC Asheville. And I thought, uh, this is where I needed to go. Like I had like full body chills of this is where I needed to come back to. What did I want to study? Mm-hmm. And then I did wizard of Oz at that little theater where I was a tin man. And there's a picture uh, that was taken of me hugging this little girl who only wanted to talk to the Tin Man. It was, it was at a it was at a brunch with the characters, and she walks in and she goes, "Where's the Tin Man?" <laughs> and evidently, and evidently, she'd seen the show the night before and would not stop talking about the Tin Man. So we talked. I'm on one knee talking to her for five minutes, and then we hug at the end. And a few days later, I see that picture, which is actually the background on my phone, the background on my computer at work, my background on my laptop, Uh, just in case I, you know, am thinking, why on earth do I do this? (laughs) We all need uh, those reminders. And that picture is it. And it's just so I knew where I wanted to study and now I knew what I wanted to study. So I came back to UNC Asheville. Um, knew that I wanted to do theater, but not quite what part of theater I wanted to do. And then I took a stage management class and I just was thinking stage management and everything that goes into stage management is exactly what I'm strong at for everything. Right. Cause do. it's like the perfect combination of everything. That's what yeah. I love about stage management. You know, you're like, Oh, I could do a little bit of this and a little bit yeah. of this and you know, be a stage manager. <laughs> yeah. And I'm good with communication and I'm good with organization and I love theater and I've always loved the backstage, the technical aspect of it. Um, I like being in charge. <laughs> um, I like yeah. you know, creatively <laughs> thinking uh, challenges that happen and 
the more and more I learned during the stage management class, the more and more I realized it's what I, it's what I was at least wanted to try. So I, I asked and I was given the show Twilight Los Angeles, 1992, um, my senior year, my last semester of college. And it was, it's a great show that is uh, really interesting because it's all monologues. There's one scene where characters talk to each other, but it's, that's that's rough. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's all monologues with, um, with some like action scenes, but there's no monologues within each other. And we had some crazy things happen with that opening night that, um, and once we figured that out and, and we went through the show, went through the whole rehearsal and production process, I realized this is what I really enjoy doing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I decided that that's what I wanted to focus on uh, career wise when it comes to still being in the theater. And so I graduated and went away for a month, not knowing what I wanted to do and, and got a gig back in Asheville at a little charter school where I was the stage manager at a charter school and the, and the students in the show were, I think between third and eighth grade and on opening night of that, I had a phone interview with Bush gardens and all crazy things happened. I just started a a new full-time job at the university in town and the second day of work, I got an email that said, Hey, we want to, we want to have an interview with you at Bush gardens. Uh, so I, like, I did, course, they just got a job. So why not offer me something else? Yeah. And so I did, the, I did the interview that Friday standing outside of the charter school, uh, about an hour before the call time. And the first question they asked me is, well, tell me about all the shows you've stage managed. And my answer was, Oh, well, I've only stage managed one thing. And so I was like, well, there goes my, my, uh, <laughs> chance of getting that job, which is fine. It's just good to interview. And then three days later, I get, hey, we want to hire you to do a show at Bush Gardens. And it starts next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Just jump right into it. And so I emailed my boss who had only worked for for a week and said, hey, I know I've only been here for a week, but can I leave for two months to do the show at Bush Gardens? And and more importantly, still have this job when I come back. (laughs) And she said, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I have an amazing boss who I can talk about for uh, for an hour. But uh, yeah, so she let me go, and a week later, I was in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, in a what was supposed to be an eight-hour orientation. That halfway through, somebody pokes their head and points at me. Is like, all right, it's time to go to rehearsal. So I, I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, and they hand me a, they hand me a production book that has all the cues already written in there. And they're like, don't worry. This is just a flight rehearsal. You're just going to be sitting there watching and understanding like what your cues are going to be and stuff like that. You won't have to do anything. And so the show is, yeah. And and the show is Scrooge no more, uh, which is the Christmas Carol in 31 minutes. Uh, The full story, all the flights music, it's a beautiful show. The theater is a replica of the original globe. It's just theater. It's just bigger. Um, and the first show that I, that I stage managed was in a theater that holds 200 people. 
and I walk into this globe theater and I look and it holds between 800 and 900 people. <laughs> and so already I walk in and I'm like, this is crazy that, that I'm doing this. And so we're sitting in this, you know, two to three hour flight rehearsal and about two hours in the person in charge turns and looks at me. He's like, all right, you ready to call some cues? And I was like, sure, let's do this. So uh, <laughs> we do that show. It's like a it's like a three week rehearsal process, uh, two week rehearsal process. And then we go into like five to seven weeks of performances of uh, f- four to six performances a day uh, mm-hmm. for five weeks. So we do mm-hmm. 135 performances in that in that time, uh, which is crazy. Uh, we stage managers get one day off because if not, we would go over 80 hours, which is not legal in the state of Virginia. <laughs> so, yeah. So I did that. I did Bush gardens, which was an amazing, uh, an amazing gig. And then I, I came back and my college hired me to stage manage into the woods and the sunset limited in rep. And I did that. And which was a crazy one night we had our, our keyboard went out. <laughs> right, be- like oh. r- right before your fault. <laughs> so not dramatic or anything. Yeah. So well, I mean, any uh, point well, during the song. The be- yeah. It happened the song before with the Baker's wife solo. She actually sang that acapella. And then we got the keyboard back up and running right as your fault started. So did they sing that one acapella? No, uh, no. I I had a spot up who was right above our our accompanist tell her, hey, play like it's working. Play like it's on just in case it comes up. And so the Uh accompanist was actually already playing when the keyboard came back up. What happened? What What took it down? Uh, Somehow it got unplugged. And Uh, yeah, and we were frantically looking for it and we found it about a measure into the song. Jack started it on the right key and at the right tempo. That's a good job. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Which is really impressive. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I did that. And the next summer uh, was when I first did the ballad of R and J with the theater company called American myth center in Western North Carolina. And it is on a, a portable stage that is pulled by the person who runs American myth center. Uh, he pulls it with his truck and we go and we assemble the stage. Uh, it turns into a 16 by 20 foot stage with four walkouts that was created for this theater company. And it is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet that is set in the Appalachian mountains just after the civil war with Wait, music pictures of this. Cause I would love to see this setup. This sounds. Oh, awesome. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, a, is it a semi that pulls it and they like fold it out from the semi or what? No, it's, it, it's a trailer. So the, the truck is just a pickup truck. And we, we hook it up. We hook, uh, basically, it's like a trailer that you pull behind a pickup truck to wherever mm-hmm. you want to put it. And that year, we we were just in a big lot in downtown Asheville for the majority of our shows. And then the second year I did it, which was last summer, we did a tour 
of local libraries in Buncombe mm-hmm. County, which is where Asheville is. And so we just, we would go out to the site, usually the week of, find out where we're putting it uh, back, back it up to where it needs to be, um, disconnect it from the truck. And then myself and the director would spend two hours assembling it there. We have a, we have a video of the two of us assembling the stage. It's, yes. Uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So I'll send that to you all. Uh, you think it's just kind of like fold over and like slip into place. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So every, so in the trailer part itself, in the body of the trailer, uh, between that and our stage is where we store pretty much every, like it's where we store the, mm-hmm. the, the walkouts and mm-hmm. the pieces of lumber that go on the stage once we unfold it and a lot of our props and, and stuff. And then it is just kind of folded up four sides with all the other stuff just kind of put inside. And then once we get everything out from the undercarriage, we take the long sides and make them flat and the short sides and make them flat. And then there's corner pieces and mm-hmm. walkouts. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. The guy and his name is, is um, slipping my mind, but basically Aaron, who's the guy who runs American Myth Center, he got um, a set designer who he knew from Northwestern. That's where he got his master's from. And he got him to design it. And then the designer was like, I have no idea how to put this together, but here's the design. And he found <laughs> and Aaron, Aaron found a fabricator in Asheville in the Asheville area. And it was, and he was like, yeah, I think I can build this. And so he spent, I don't know, probably six months building the thing. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's about, yeah, that sounds I mean, I feel like listening to you describe it, I was like, why do more people not do this? Because then you're a traveling show with your own set. Yeah. Well, a lot of, I mean, at least my company at 1540 right now is thinking about trying to do things like that because right now everybody's in social distance. And so they were trying to figure out a way to like pull up a stage in front of like a community center and people sit outside. So this guy's just a couple years ahead of himself. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and and that's what we would do. We would, we would pull up to these libraries and the libraries would mark it out to, you know, through social media and to whoever came to visit them Mm -hmm. and would, uh, and would say, Hey, it's a free. And and here's the thing, all the shows were free. So like they could come see, you know, free Shakespeare done Mm -hmm. by professional actors because all the actors were paid uh, and, and music that was written for the show because Aaron had a friend from Chicago who wrote all the music and came down and she was uh, in the show. And then we had an amazing band. A lot of our actors uh, were all, are also musicians, especially last year. And so we were able to just create a lot more, not just music that was part of the show, but also the ambient noise through. Yeah. Like the entire experience of it. Yeah. And then at one point they did, uh, one of the songs I can't think of off the top of my head, but it was during the balcony scene of Romeo and Juliet and the entire, almost the entire rest of the cast had uh, ukuleles and they surrounded the, <laughs> and they surrounded the audience and had a ukulele band during the balcony <laughs> scene. Yeah. And it was That's really a cool idea. Yeah. And it's, and it's a really interesting stage because it could be done in the round, which is the way we did it the first year, or it can be done in a thrust Mm-hmm. Um, in a thrust position so you can create it however you want it to be 
<laughs> does it come with, do you guys do it all just like in the middle of the day when lights are already out or does it have lighting and sound and any of that technical elements? No, we, you, the only lighting we have are like not quite Christmas lights, but basically, um, like more industrialized Christmas string lights mm -hmm. that the guy who fabricated it, we had four poles that had, uh, wiring that went that created like a box and then a cross section in the middle mm -hmm. and we just strung up string lights that way and we were able to just use the natural setting sun we we did we did have one matinee we had a couple matinees uh, one was actually done inside we did have a library that had a big enough space where we can be inside um and then the other place we were going to have the matinee was under trees. And so basically anywhere we went created its own backdrop and we just used the sunset and the sunset usually happened right around, uh, the Romeo and Juliet deaths. Uh, uh, perfect yeah. timing. Yeah. And so we started, I can't remember when we started six, six thirty seven, something like that. Whenever the sun would go down and we only really got rained out a couple times over the last couple of years. It's not, it's not bad. bad. Yeah, it's not. Oh, me and the director, we do a lot of checking the radar. It's like, where is it coming? Is it coming? Uh, right. Freaking out about it and trying to. Yeah. This makes me think of uh, like traveling shows, you know, where like where a, a. Think of like where a cart pulls up, I guess, kind of like Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Rallies, you know, where a cart pulls up and like everything folds down and you put on a show and then you fold it all back up and you keep going. Yeah. It's Gypsies. so cool to like go back to that model. Yeah. Well, and the, and this year we were going to do uh do a we were going to do a different show. He had just adapted the Bacchae to do the shows where it uh, focused more mm -hmm. on on the maintenance, which is what it was called. Uh the same idea setting in the Appalachian Mountains um around the Civil War time. And we were we were actually our schedule was that we were going to be in lots of different libraries. And there was at least one day where we were in one place during the matinee and in a different place at night, I think. I could be wrong. Or, or at least one weekend where we were at three different libraries. I do know that was the case. Wow. But right. yeah, yeah, it was going to be a lot of communication. And with, with this show, um, the rehearsals pretty much look the same, except they were at his house which has this amazing view of the mountains and a dog and <laughs> always and, a bonus. And, That's and, always a always a plus. And children who bring you muffins and you know Yes. Even better. Yeah. yeah. And so it was never it was never an official part of my my job, but I did get to hold a baby a lot last year, which made made me happy. But I was on <laughs> like a dog, hold a baby. Yeah. But I was on Bear Watch. Um where he lives is in a bear sanctuary in the eastern part of Asheville. And uh, I was on bear watch. I never did find one. Although there was one night where I heard a lot of rustling in the trees, but it was, it was later I found out it was like a deer or something. It was not. A bear. I'm hoping you weren't out bear watching while holding the baby. And no, the baby was asleep. That just was a little during, timid. Yeah. <laughs> during bear watching time. Yeah. But. I did learn Can I that. Go back to a few questions. Yeah, go ahead. No, we're talking about go bears. Back. No, I have so, I have so many. I know, but I have so many questions that were piling up. I know, I know. Okay. How far back do I want to go? Uh, okay, I'll go back to the beginning where I was thinking about it. So, 
I, I literally have like seven questions lined up right now. Um, so you said earlier that you stage managed a few shows and like you had stage managed with your sister and then you went to school to do stage management. So you really only consider that last show at school, the only stage management credit you have. What was the difference? Like, did you learn when you went to school that you already knew some of the stage management stuff or was it all completely new to you? And you're like, man, I haven't been doing any of this stuff as a stage manager. More that, more that second one. When I was in, when I did it, I really only did that stage management that one when I did Romeo and Juliet. Um, uh, okay. My senior year, and it was more just, uh, you know, just writing down blocking because there was no technical aspects of it. Um, and at that right, point, so you the couldn't only, really call anything. Yeah, there's nothing to call, and then there was nothing. Uh, like the communication stuff all came from came from my sister from the director um to say hey rehearsals are every monday through friday there were no reports to create there was no you know the hierarchy that you're used to when you're in a theater uh things like that so really and because you know it was an extracurricular activity the only time i really you know put towards it were those couple hours after school every day uh yeah and so when i when i took the stage management class you know however many years later and the second time I went to UNCA that's when I learned oh this is how you write down blocking because I was writing down blocking like an actor does which you know can be helpful but you know it was definitely not drawing out the the diagrams and stuff the diagram with everybody and how everybody moved and and all of that Uh, definitely wasn't creating reports and and anything like that so uh I was more of an actor who was backstage, who <laughs> was using what I did backstage at the regional theater, uh, like figuring out uh, set changes and things like that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. pretty much how I started as a stage manager. Even though I wasn't an actor, I didn't really have any training in it. So it was just kind of like, okay, well, these are the notes that I need for myself. So I guess this is what I'm going to write down. And, you know, yeah. this is, I need to know what side of the stage the props are on you know and so it wasn't until much later when i was like oh there's like templates for things like this that's exciting yeah yeah and i didn't even even know i wasn't even like i wasn't keeping track of props and i wasn't keeping track of any of that i was just like that's the actor's job (laughs) (laughs) if only it was (laughs) that's i mean but at least you knew as an actor then what it was you know so I could find, I could see that being helpful. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always been the actor the stage manager likes because I, because you know where your props are and you know when you're, I know where my props are. Yeah. Yeah. Never (laughs) missed an entrance. Knock on wood. Probably memorize your line so you don't have to scream for line constantly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, except for there was this one. There was this one time. Um, this is a, it's a great, so, uh, we actually, on my order, we stopped right before I got really busy, but I did. No, you can go. I was just really interested about that. Okay. Well, I'll get back to the missing my, my line part. Okay. uh, (laughs) I'll take it. We'll come back to it. Yeah. 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 So, um, I did R and J two years and then I started, that's when I really started getting busy. Um, was when I I had done one show uh, called The Groundling, which was uh, North Carolina. Um, it was the first time this show was done in North Carolina. It was called The Groundling. And 
that theater, I really just loved loved it. This is Asheville Community Theater, and right in the heart of downtown Asheville. And I really fell in love with like their front office and the and the actors and the the, the technician and the designers. And I knew I wanted to do some other things there, and so uh, I got hired on to do a kid show where I stage managed Junie B. Jones, the musical junior mm-hmm. with so the older teens. So like fifth through eighth graders. And I did about, I've done about eight shows since I started at ACT there. So uh, I wrote them all down because I didn't want to forget them, but I did Junie B. Jones. I was in Footloose while stage managing frog and toad jr at the same time <laughs> they were and, in rep uh sort of so the kids shows rehearse um in the like afternoons like 4 30 to 6 30 and then the main stage show was footloose so that was uh you know rehearsal 6 30 to 9 30 four days a week things like that mm-hmm. and then at, towards the tail end uh, a person who works for the theater comes up and was like, Hey, uh, we lost our stage manager for Alice in Wonderland. Do you want to stage manage that? And I was like, sure. When do they start? She's like, auditions are on Monday. So. <laughs> Is that while you were still <laughs> doing like, the other two? Yeah. Yeah. So at one point I was doing three shows. At the same <laughs> I was in production. I was in productions of Footloose while stage managing Frog and Toad Jr. And stage managing Alice in Wonderland. You're like, well, so can there, I just have a bed here? Because that's yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, and then uh that happened. Then I did my second summer of R and J, and then right after that, I auditioned for Wizard of Oz and got into the Wizard of Oz and was cast as the Cowardly Lion, which has always been my favorite character of that of that movie and that show, and was the first time I got to play a bucket list role. Nice. Yeah. So it was, it was really amazing. And all throughout this time, I was supposed to leave to work on a cruise ship. So I got hired to work for Royal Caribbean and then just never went. I just never felt like it was right to go. And so I stayed here. And now I'm really glad that I'm not working for Royal Caribbean. Yeah. When, when was like, that? Would you have been on there? Would you have been <laughs> out there right now? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Well, if I would have been offered a second contract and taken it. Then yeah, I would have been. Wow. Um, and so I did Wizard of Oz, and then I did Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I was in that, and then uh, I was asked if I could stage manage Little Women, which is what I'm doing right now. I asked to assistant stage manage the Fantastics, the main stage show, and their ASMs they come in the week of Tech Week. And then mm-hmm. they run the back and then they run backstage. And then I asked the director who was doing frozen junior with the kids show, if I can assistant and direct. And she yeah. said, yes. And then I w- was asked to a- be an assistant for a film for a teen film class. So at one point earlier this year, I was assistant stage managing a show, assistant directing a show an assistant for a film class and the stage manager for a main stage. How was it? being an assistant director because in opera it's so different than what it is in theater so what did you find the uh like similarities and differences or what did you like better well that that last one is 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 tough so to answer the first part of that is i i asked to 
be the assistant director because well one i've worked with that director before she was the director for alice in wonderland and miracle on 34th street and so i worked with her as her stage manager and as an actor and i just really really love her as a director and i've thought about directing over the like the last six months i'm like well i I know that it's it's a natural progression to go from stage management to directing yeah and i was like I've done it in the past, like in college, I did it for a class and I've, and I enjoyed it. So I'm, I, I want to dabble or try it, but I don't want to just take on a show. So I'll assist and direct. I'll, I'll watch Candace. I'll see how she works with kids. And so I was there every rehearsal and she asked me, she said, pick whatever scenes you want to pick to, uh, to block and you can do that. And so I blocked two of those scenes one of them being uh the scene where hans makes his turn and becomes really really evil or shows that he's been really really evil which was really fun it's a really fun scene uh to really work with that actor to show his turn and be being really evil and then we did a week of tech where the kids they get two weeks of tech we did a week of tech which included a run through where the director couldn't be there she was very pregnant and so she had an appointment or something and so i ran the run through taking notes and at the end of the day i was like yeah i could see myself doing this at some point so i've actually been in talks with the theater to see what i can direct next season of course this is all before the shutdown but uh, yeah so before all of our lives went crazy yeah so we'll see we'll see what happens and i don't know I, i i would assist and direct another show uh, especially if it was with Candace. Mm-hmm. Right now, I still like to stage manage, but we'll see. We'll see how if it changes when I when I direct like a full show. Um, but my problem is I like everything. I like to act. <laughs> I like to stage manage. Like it's hard for me to to be like. This is all that I do. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, and the theater. When we were talking about next season and what shows for me to stage manage the person who's in charge of uh, making those de- shits, do- those decisions, she said, tell me what shows you want to be in, and then we'll figure out what shows you want to stage manage. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was wondering, even when you were in high school, before I, before you said that you were doing it like at school and, and in a community thing, like how do you decide, do you just audition for everything or do you, you know, but I guess the fact that you're friends with those people and have open communication with them, that it's, yeah. It's that when it's not like audition. Oh, I didn't get it. I guess I'll stage manage or whatever. But you kind of plan it all out from the beginning. Yeah. So in high school, uh, did I? I think I so long ago. I think I did audition for just about it. I auditioned for all the musicals. I've always been a musical theater guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to say that my act, my singing ability would overshadow my lack of acting ability. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> I've done a couple of shows where it's like, you suck on stage, but if you close your eyes, you sound really great. I can't watch you because I don't know what you're doing right now. Uh, yeah. And, and lately I worked as a summer camp counselor for, for two summers and I got paid to scream for about 10 weeks. So it just <laughs> killed my singing voice. So it's not as, it's not as high as it used to be. Uh, so I've actually been doing more more plays lately just to help my help with my acting but when it comes to if i really if i know and really like the musical 
then I will audition for it. And typically, if there's a role in it that I want, I will audition for it, um, which is actually the opposite of what I always tell tell my students. Because, you know, in there, I've also been a substitute teacher uh, and just worked with a lot of kids. And they would also say, John, Mr. O'Neill, Mr. John, what is your do you have any advice for us? My advice was always audition for everything. And I don't, I don't follow my own advice when it comes to that. Uh, like <laughs> there've been roles. There, you're trying to like, just get out there and get the experience of auditioning and, you know, yeah. practicing well, your. Yeah. Well, there have been roles where I'm like, I'm just way too young for that role. And then talk to the director or talk to people in a show later on that the person was my age and I was yeah. like, ah, I should have auditioned for that show. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so now what I do is I find out the show, the season, and I figure out what shows I want to be in. And then I and then from there I pick what shows I want to stage manage uh for the main stage. Uh there's a there's a director at the theater who does a lot of shows and he basically like he has his stage manager. Mm-hmm. Um and he does the big musicals, so she's on for the big musicals and they added a musical this year. So I was going to get that other musical and then one of the plays. And then there are directors both at that theater and at other theaters that are like, well, I just, anytime I direct a show, I want you to be, to be my stage manager. Yeah. Which is always that, like, that's the goal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely. Like is for a director to be like, anytime I direct, I want you to be my stage manager. Yeah, because once you are used to working with someone, it's so easy to just fall back into it. Like you, you already have like the shorthand communications. You already know the paperwork's good. You already know they know how to do their job. So yeah, yeah that's always great. And that's how it is with the director at uh, American Myth Center. He and I. This is what this summer would have been the fourth show that we've done. There are two summers, um, and then he does a Chris a show at Christmas time, which is really interesting. Uh, where basically he takes the story of a Christmas Carol and the story of uh, Vance, who um, the Vance birthplace is out here in Asheville and kind of combines their story to tell the story of one of the slaves that lived at the birth at the Vance birthplace through the story of the Christmas Carol. I wish I can explain that more eloquently, but uh, so this summer would have been our fourth time and we just, a lot of times we don't even necessarily have to talk to communicate things during rehearsals. Like he can just turn and look at me and I'll know exactly what he, what he needs. Like I know that he, that he doesn't like mechanical pencils. So I know to always have a wooden pencil ready. (laughs) Um, And when he starts, cause he has this long flowy hair that when he starts like patting the back of his hair, he can't find his pencil. So pull out the wooden pencil. So when he turns, it's ready to throw to him, you know, (laughs) As as crazy as and as funny as that might sound, like that's a huge thing. That it um, is, yeah, yeah. That, like I know what he's looking for. Um, yeah, he's yeah he's one of those that's like yeah I don't care where you are, uh, you can be anywhere in this in in the country. Uh, you're gonna be my stage manager anytime we do stuff, and yeah, that means a lot to me. Yeah, my best friend uh, when he directs or he's an artistic director now, Sean Gray. Uh, when he gets nervous or frustrated, he starts shaking his hands and pacing. And when he starts doing that, I'm immediately up being like, okay, what, 
What happened? What went wrong? What do we need to fix? <laughs> Sometimes he's like, no, it's fine. And I was like, great. We'll talk about it after rehearsal. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to discuss it. That's awesome. That you, I mean, it sounds like you have a couple people that are like that. So you have pretty consistent work now. Yeah, I've been pretty much the longest time I went without doing theater from like the summer of 2018 or so is like a month. Damn. Wow. I can't even Twin, say that. He beat you. I know. Yeah. And a lot of times, it, a lot of times it's, they overlap. Once I put up a show, I'm in rehearsals for a next show. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That was going to be another question. Oh yeah. Uh, I, God, do you think I'd be better at wording questions? But you said you were writing you, these down. I know. I, well, I, I got another question that came up. From when you <laughs> started, like when you graduated from college and you're like, this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. About how long was it until 2018 when you're like, okay, now my life is kind of, I don't have to worry about it because now I have all these jobs. Do you know what I mean? Like how long did it take you to kind of solidify your knowledge and your connections and your reputation and that it, it became a little bit easier? Um, probably, I probably can't put like, a, like this is the date, but w- when I felt like I was to the point where I could just like, I knew where I was going to go for my, for my work mm-hmm. was probably after the first summer that I did RNJ, uh, just because like, I knew that he was going to do stuff every summer. So like. I knew the summer was something that I can look at. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, I did the groundling and I felt like I did a really good job with that show and that I'd created really good connections with the people within that show or within that theater. And I was already auditioning for other stuff there. And so I was, I was making sure that I was working with the, uh, the, the theater in a lot of different ways that almost like I was making myself, valuable to them so that yeah, they wa- exactly that they that they always wanted to call me back and so uh like when i was doing the groundling i auditioned to be an avenue q i didn't get an avenue q then i emailed their technical director and was like hey i want to work backstage and she's like all right well i know you and i really like the way you work so you'll be the asm and the head puppet wrangler for avenue q and and then pretty much from there on i've i've, I've been busy with them so it's like I didn't always know that they would like be coming to me and say, Hey, what show do you want to stage manage? But I did know that, uh, that they wanted me in some capacity, whether it was volunteering to be backstage or it was being their stage manager. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I knew I was kind of in with their education aspect after I did Junie B Jones because their education director, who is now their, uh, artistic director or, or some title up there. Uh, she, she really liked like how I ran the, like the kids show, not just as a stage manager, but also just being with the kids and, and kind of getting them through the process as well. Mm-hmm. Which is a huge and, task. I've only done one show like that and it was, it was awesome, but it was a lot. Yeah. Wrangling yeah. a bunch of kids, getting them in the yeah. right costume, getting them on and off stage. Yeah. That's that's really cool. I love that you like found a place that you liked, and then, like you said, you just made yourself invaluable to them. Yeah, you know, 
and you didn't, it's not like you didn't get cast and you just walked away. You know, you didn't get cast and you're like, okay, now I'll do something else. What can I do to stay here? Yeah. And now that I think back on it, I have, I've auditioned for two shows that I didn't get in and I ended up working both of them. Which Um, I think is awesome. Yeah. And and it has everything to do with the show. Like I, I had done Avenue Q before and I really liked it. So I knew I just wanted to do something with that show. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I pretty much, I, I, I didn't do this for this reason, but the director for the Fantastics is a friend of mine. Uh, he's actually, he was the director of that show that I did at the charter school in Asheville. Mm -hmm. He's the director. Then he was the Tin Man and the Lion King, the Lion King. (laughs) <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> um, I know oh, exactly what you're talking one. about too. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I play the lion in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, um, yeah. And so Mark is just a really good friend of mine, and the people that I knew who did get cast in the show uh, were good friends of mine. Uh, the guy who played El Gallo, he was the Scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz, uh, and then the the lead girl is somebody who had been in shows with at act earlier so i think i just wanted to stay and do a show with them yeah. um because you're like these are all be... my friends i want to hang out with them yeah and i did absolutely nothing during that show i just sat off stage right because it was all done on stage all the set changes and stuff yeah uh, but it was one of the things that it was really good it was really good that i was there because the stage manager got sick for two performances so i had to go in and call the show Wow. I was yeah. good to have a like backup. I've never had to do that. You've never had to step in to call a show? I've never stepped in to call a show, no. I have had it, to step it, in to watch Cindy's book while she runs to the bathroom a couple times. <laughs> but that's, that's only good. like a page or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I don't have any cues coming up. Follow. And I'm like, ah, opera, follow music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was... It was nerve wracking and like amazing all at the same time. It was nerve wracking because I found out like an hour before the show, hour and a half before the show that it was going to be a possibility. So I got to the theater early, which is something I always do. Um, And I just went up to the booth and went through her book and, and made some notes and stuff like that. But luckily it was the last it was the last weekend of the run. And so I'd, I'd been listening to her call the show for three right. or four weeks. And a lot of like the really, for lack of a better term, important cues, the ones that were really specific on timing was taken by the light board operator anyway. So a lot of them were like, stand by Q19. You take it when El Gallo hits the ground or something like that. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of the... Uh, the harder cues were done by the light board operator, but it was still, uh, it was still fun and uh, terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> Those are like the best shows. That was one of the notes I took earlier. Like when you, when you called your first, or you finished your first stage management show, like did you just have this huge feeling of elation afterwards? Like you're scared out of your mind, but you're like, but that was so awesome. That's well, how I ap- feel. <laughs> after, well, after the first performance of, of twilight, um, somehow the, the house lights, we were, we we're a theater in the round. Somehow the house lights got, uh, programmed into like uh, four of the, four of the first eight cues. So yeah, like, yeah. we've all been uh, there. <laughs> And so, like, the house lights come down, and we go to Q3, and then the house lights come back up. 
Yeah. I'm just like, what's happening with the queue? Like the queue on the stage is is right, but it just includes house lights. Oh, the house and, lights. Then, and then the next one, they come back down. And the next one, they come back up. And we're just like, what is happening? <laughs> um, so after that show, it was, it was, it was nuts. But yeah, I mean, after I called my first show, it was it was amazing. That show we had lights, sound, and projections, uh, because a big part of the riots in Los Angeles was the uh, the news helicopters that were taking video of everything on the mm-hmm. streets. So we incorporated that into our yeah. our design, and so we had these two massive screens on the sides of the stage, and we would. Uh, we would have like poems and pictures of everybody of the per- person who was talking, but then we would have a live feed camera up in our grid that the actors would look into as it is like a TV helicopter. That's um, awesome. Yeah. That was and so cool. I was calling all of that and switching all of that. And, uh, I, I called on my friends to be the board ops because I knew I could trust that they can do it all, um, <laughs> which they did. Uh, and yeah, that was, it was very exhilarating, but probably the more exhilarating one was into the woods uh, because we, he had something like 270 light cues, uh, which is a lot for that, especially for that small, that small of a space. But it was just, it was truly, those lights were truly another character in the show. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. so many musicals, it just calls, it just calls for that many light cues. Like you have to have them on bump cues. You have to have yeah. them on, you know, key changes. Like I don't know that you just have to do that in a lot of places. And I mean, yeah. a Sondheim musical just yeah. kind of goes for it. Yeah. But when you, yeah, and and like I remember, you know, the opening number has a big bump at the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one night, one night I was off just a little bit. Uh, you know it stayed in my brain the whole next day yep and so the next day i was like okay i'm gonna get it right and i was like stand by and i go lights go and it hits especially since yes! we don't we don't have a camera we didn't have a camera on the conductor oh um, that makes it so i was oh, that's hard and so i was completely blind on that uh so i basically had to guess and just feel it yeah yeah i had to feel it which i've i've been a bass player since i was in sixth grade so i i i have music and i can read music so that's helpful and i got it right and i was so proud of myself that i said there you go and my light board operator who uh, trained so very well she would go when you say so go well. <laughs> go when i said go and uh and it luckily all it did was shorten the applause at the beginning um <laughs> But like it was, it was a, it was a lesson that I learned very, very well, which is to never say go unless you mean it. Um, <laughs> and your lifeboard operator was like, "Yeah, no shit." <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was just little, like it was first semester of her freshman year. She was just like, "Oh yeah, it was." But that was pro- <laughs> it's probably been my favorite show to call at this point. Is Into the Woods. I love that. Which, Sondheim is one of my favorite. Yeah things to call it's just it's it's like a magical experience calling it and like you said when you hit that bump cue like even to this day there'll be things that i miss be like i have to get this one cue you know and you like fixate on it and then when you get it it's just this like this thing that i say most other jobs don't get like you're just like glowing and you're so excited i'm like nobody knows you did it but i'm like did you get that one yeah okay i don't know It's it's just such an awesome feeling. Like it's what I love about stage management. You know, it's yeah. it's so little, and most people don't really get it. But 
it's so awesome so much yeah fun. yeah i typically tell people i'm like uh if the show runs as close to perfectly as it can you won't know that i have anything to do with it yeah that's what i tell people i'm like my job is that you don't know i'm there because yeah. if the scene changes work and the lights work and the sound works and the crew's doing their job and then nobody even knows that i do anything yeah yeah kind of my and job. the only way people know that i'm there is um i when i'm in a theater not with american missioner but when i'm with and when i'm in a theater i wear a bow tie every show Aww, <clears throat> every show I do awesome. it. so that's that's kind of like my little tradition is yeah uh, but i never walk into the theater with my bow tie tied i walk into superstitions it, i do it uh, i have it untied and then like if if we have a group warm-up uh, then I will tie it during the warm up, or I will just tie it at some point before I go up to the booth. Um, it is kind of like, I think, I guess it's the actor in me, because as an actor, I'm probably, this is probably the one that makes stage managers. I know it drove my sister nuts uh, when she was my <laughs> director. I, I wait until like the last minute to get in the costume. Because to me, as soon as I put on that last piece of costume, I am that character and I don't mm -hmm. like to sit in it for too long. And so like for Wizard of Oz, I want to even start getting into into costume, into my farmer costume until 15 to places. And so I just nope, kind of do that me, same. I just do the same thing with my bow tie. It's just like that's <laughs> the last thing. I, your stage manager. Yeah. Then that's I'm ready cool, to do though. the show. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. I, I think for me, it's like putting on the headset, which, mm. give or yeah. take, you know, sometimes like you don't have a wireless headset and you have to be standing at the station, you know, but if it's wireless, it's like, okay, it's, it's time to get going. Let me put my headset on and get connected. And this is it. This is, you know, yeah, that's a cool tradition. I like it. Now I kind of want to find something like, oh, it's when I put my, I was gonna say when I put my heels on, but that's not going to be the case. No. That's <laughs> after the show. It, Usually, like, when I take my earrings off so I can get my headset on or when I braid my hair so it's not in my face from my headset, like, that's it. Yeah. Then we're good to go. Yeah, when uh, the Groundling did group warm-ups on the stage and everybody would stand in a circle and, mm -hmm. you know, they would do their tongue twisters and whatnot. And I would just, I would, like, look at each one of them. And then my ASM was there. Um, and I would just look at them and I would tie the bow tie. And it was almost like, all right, it's time to work. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's cool. I really so like glad that. I don't have to do those. I hate actor warm-ups. I'm I'm as an actor, I'm not a fan of them either. <laughs> <laughs> I we hate it when they're be I, like bring the techies really in, we're all is, gonna do it as a group, and I'm like, screw that. No. What's, what's really funny is uh so I went to UNC Asheville for four years. Uh I was a drama major and I was never on stage. I, I never was an actor. Until after I graduated. And so because I work for the university, I'm eligible to be in a show. So I auditioned for a show and I, and I got in and, uh, they have, they have a very traditional group warm up uh, that every show does. And I was just like, don't be that guy who is like, I'm not a student here. I don't have to go to the warm ups, <laughs> even though I, sometimes I really wanted to, but yeah, I'm not a fan of group warm ups. I, um, I have my yeah. own thing, which is, I get to the theater 30 minutes before the call time um, and do my own thing and then let everybody do their own thing. But yeah, I just not yeah. a fan of the group warm up. Nope. I can't do acting games or any of that. 
Nope. But when I do the but when I do the kids shows and they have a very traditional ones too, not only do we do them, I'm the one who's leading them. So <sighs> it's all yeah, I turn yeah, into a camp kids, counselor. Like it's a little bit different cuz yeah, with kids you like have to cuz usually it's like reminding them of what they're doing and getting used to it, you know. Usually as older people you're like you can figure out how to do your own <laughs> You know, yeah. but as kids like you just have to give them that little bit extra boost or confidence or you know. Yeah. We do tongue twisters. We do tongue twisters and then I do a, a thing that I learned from camp which is little red wagon which they love and is requested of me. One time I was there to watch was there to watch the kids show. I was there so early. The person who was in charge saw me, pulled me into the theater up on stage just to lead it. Like, <laughs> That's what you get early. Yeah. yeah. Did you get for uh, being too good at it? Stacy tells me we're running close to time, but I want to go back and have you tell us your missing line story. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, uh, do we have time for two stories? I have. I have yes. a missing line story. Hell yeah! All right. So my missing line story, it was friends and family, which is invited dress at our local theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get to the first, the lion's first solo. So not if I were king, but uh, his his first solo during his scene. And I start the music. There's no intro or anything. And we get there and I completely blank. I have (laughs) no idea what the words are. Which has happened to yep. me in the past, but I had music to play under me, and then it just came out, but nothing. And so I get to the line, and I'm just looking to my right at the other three, and they're just looking back at me, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. So, <laughs> I got nothing. I don't know so what's I, going on right now. <laughs> so I started humming. I knew the tune. So I started humming the tune. Um, Eventually, did it pop in? And then all three of them, did. there's this... I did my first line and then I would jump and then the three of them would jump. They all did the jump at the exact same time. Like they didn't have to t- <laughs> look at each other or anything. Yeah. And then I just went to the next part. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, I remember it now. I do it all the time. It was, it was done. It was said on my podcast a few, a few times ago. And then my second story is in high school. I won at Cape regional theater. They have a, a, a yearly award called the golden screw award for the biggest screw up of the season. Um, and and i won it and to this day is the largest trophy that i own um (laughs) and it's because uh i dropped i dumped about five pounds of confetti on the stage uh during chicago during the overture of chicago (laughs) (laughs) i was on the fly rail i was on the fly rail i pulled the wrong rope and it dropped um, all the confetti they had just refilled for the rest of the run onto the stage. They had to stop the overture, bring the, the main up a little bit, sweep it all up, bring the main down, do the rest of the uh, – restart the overture. So, yeah. And confetti sucks to get up. Needed it. I'm that sorry? Is, I said then you didn't have the confetti for when you needed it later in the show. Yeah. I don't think the TD was very happy with me that he had to come <laughs> back in and, and refill the refill the confetti. No, I, I hate confetti. You can't you can't sweep that stuff up. It just gets stuck in everything. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Every time someone asks me, like, what was the biggest mistake you made? Like, I've made a lot of little mistakes and I can never think of anything. I mean, I've not dumped confetti. I, I need to up my game a little bit, I think. You do. Yeah, I want to suggest it. <laughs> like, no, Depending on how you feel about the TD. <laughs> 
I did yeah. almost I did almost win a Golden Screw Award for a second time, but I did not. I came in second place for that one. Oh, Dad. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, our last oh god we didn't even talk about your podcast yeah no i'm gonna talk about the podcast real fast we'll go over on this one uh so why a podcast you didn't have a twin who tricked you into it (laughs) do you have a twin who (laughs) tricked you into it (laughs) right so um i guess when i first decided to start it i was fast or rewind a little bit to when i was doing wizard of oz this last time when i was was like three four times no, no, no. Okay. This last time I I was going down the rabbit hole of watching Broadway world, uh, yep. com videos on YouTube where they would have like the, like, uh, Ramin or Sierra going backstage mm-hmm. with their cameras and like interviewing everybody. And I was like, well, you know, why don't I do this for wizard of Oz? They've never, they have never done this for the, for this theater. Mm-hmm. Um, they do Instagram takeovers, but that's about it. This, this could be, and it's a fun project for me. And so I, I was doing weekly blogs on my website and putting a video with with it. So I did that for the entire run of Wizard of Oz. And I came to the end of it. I was like, I really like that, but I, I don't want to do that for every show. But I I, want, I just want to have another project because evidently I'm not doing enough mm-hmm. with my 40-hour-a-week yeah. job and four shows at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it happens. <laughs> and so I was – at the time, I was listening to podcasts like – true crime podcast and things like that and i was like well why don't i just try a podcast and i was like well who am i going to talk to and so I, I i was thinking well why don't i just stick to the people in western north carolina um who do theater as you know for fun at night and just kind of see how it incorporates with their 40 hour week job and and just and different things like that and so the first person i i had on was uh, dylan giles who was our scarecrow in wizard of oz uh and then then i got really busy and just didn't do another one for a while Uh and so yeah basically right now it's just contacting friends of mine who do theater in western north carolina and just sitting down with them for like an hour or so and just talk about theater and, and it's kind of expanded to, uh, you know, talking to, because I know so many teen actors to talking to them about how did they get started? How is it balancing theater and school and stuff like that? And then because I'm part of the year of the stage manager, 2020, I see all those Facebook posts and, and, and things like that. I was like, well, let me reach out to some uh, some Broadway stage managers, and that that's when I reached out to Matthew Stern, and was like, hey, I'm doing this podcast. I know you're super busy with the symposium coming up at the end of May. Would you uh, be willing to be on my podcast? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it soon, so we could talk about the symposium. So uh, right now, I'm I'm pretty much just taking whoever wants to be on it. But yeah, it's standby go, um, and it's on anchor and spotify and let's see apple google all of that stuff it's it's a fun little project who knows how long it'll go on but uh i mean i have to say i when stacy finally convinced me i never would have thought we would get to 100 podcasts and now you're at next week or in two weeks we'll record 101 so you never know like you know three or four years from now you could be like and this is 97 
Yeah, she's and we were busy, but... we were very consistent for a while, and then she got really busy on I don't know it might have been summertime. Yeah, she got really busy uh, doing yeah. like eighteen shows at once, and then I got a new job, and it was like seventy eighty hour weeks just in that new job, and so we hadn't done any. Then the quarantine happened, and we were both like, "Well, shit! Now we're bored. Better start the podcast back up." <laughs> when everyone else is free, because I'm sure you have the same thing. Like, how do you schedule your schedule with somebody else who does theater? Like, you're both busy a hundred hours a week. So how do you even find time to, you know, get together with people? But yeah, yeah, and once everything you know opens and picks back up, whenever that is, uh, I'm hoping I'll be able to make sure that I you know, carve out some time every, every week or so to make sure that I record at least a couple just to, excuse me, just to, you know, be able to put them out on a semi-regular basis, but I, but I'm also putting them on YouTube. So there's, uh, you know, the aspect of, of creating the video to go on YouTube and things like that. Oh yeah. But so when I was looking on Spotify earlier, it says you just have two. Do you, have you released the other ones that were just what you say in the beginning, like with your friends or there, like the um, there, one back I have four episodes out. Um, four? Okay. Yeah. When I check my Spotify, there's four up there. There's like the, the intro episode and then uh, Dylan, um, Emily, who was in Fantastics, and her mom. Uh, that's another thing that I like to do is also talk to theater moms just to kind of get their, their <laughs> like, uh Oh, okay. Input. Yeah, I see it. And then uh, Matthew. And then um, I'm actually going to have a two-parter with my friend Mark because he, he does a ton of acting, but he also does a ton of directing. And so I didn't want to have a three-hour podcast, so we're doing two <laughs> – uh, we're actually recording his second episode sometime soon um, to to go out there. And then I've already recorded and set to release uh, Faith, who was our Dorothy. So I will have all the 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 main four Friends of Oz done uh, within the first five episodes. But yeah, and, and it's really like in, over the next couple months, I'm hoping to have choreographers, music directors, directors, mm-hmm. front office people. Um, see if I can get another couple, you know, Broadway stage managers or touring stage managers or, or you know, opera stage managers. Uh, just <laughs> I always talk about opera and stage management. It's my two favorite yeah. things to talk about. Can you keep keep uh, her busy for a couple minutes so she leaves me alone? <laughs> <laughs> she's tired of my emails. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll see how it how it goes i keep threatening that my mom is going to be on an episode of, of the podcast because she's done uh my whole family did uh, shows together before i was born and so she actually has been working like the concessions at my theater back at home and has also been the usher coordinator for them for like, four or five years so we absolutely uh, have to get your sister on because she kind of made you start all of the stage manager stuff yeah too. i mean i don't want to get her i don't want to give her get her head to be too big but she's pr- probably <laughs> the the reason why i ended up being a stage manager is because she got yeah. me into tech theater yeah and then, and then everything else but she also i know at one point she was talking about doing a a podcast like with somebody from her because she teaches at that same community college that i did a lot of my stuff in uh through there and so i know at one point we talked about she would be on my podcast and I would be on her podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm waiting to do hers until we can do it in person. That's the reason why mm-hmm. she hasn't been on mine. Um, 
but yeah, she, yeah, she would probably be on an episode. So who knows? Exactly. And it's always exciting to to talk to new people. What'd you say, Twin? I said, I can't imagine trying to get our parents on. That wouldn't work very well. (laughs) Well, Mom would be decent, but trying to get dad to talk into a microphone and (laughs) whatnot focus might be more difficult. No, I'm really, I'm really proud of my mom. She's, uh, we've been talking back, back and forth the last week or so. She's, uh, recording a Bible study for her, for her church and she'll send me a picture and she's like, this is my setup. What should I do? I was like, I need you to to move that way a little bit. Take down this picture. Make sure you have, make sure you have a key and a fill light. Um, you know, (laughs) yes. Yeah. We don't worry about any of that. My light's pretty good because I'm in front of a window right now, but uh, you two are a little yeah. dark on my side. Yeah, well, the I do there we have, go. I do have a light. I have a light. <laughs> I have that in my office. I just got tired of sitting in my office, so I moved out to the living room where I don't have a front light. Yeah. Well, uh, so we're actually we are doing Little Women at Asheville Community Theater. We're just doing it on uh, via Zoom and mm-hmm. on YouTube Live, and. So I'm still stage managing that. And this week I've been doing interviews with the cast. So I've had that light in my eyes all week. So So much cool stuff coming out though. Like you have your hands on so many cool things, but yeah. Yeah. ACT is really great because for the most part, I'm like, Hey, I want to do this. And they're like, yeah, run with it. Go ahead. They're like, sure, fine. That's excellent though. It's great to have such a supportive community of people around you to you support, they support, everyone's excited to work together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're really great. That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, do you want to do the last question, Stace, or since we are over by like half an hour? Okay, not quite half an hour. Uh, we're over by like 12, 13 minutes. Sure. <laughs> uh, so the last question we always ask, and I don't remember if Twin warned you, is we always ask if you have any twin stories. They don't have to be right. theater related. We just find them entertaining. Um, well, there is earlier when I was talking about Aaron and I, we typically don't have to talk a lot to know what each other's thinking about specific parts of like rehearsal or show processes. Uh, but I do work with a guy who, uh, so I work for, uh, university of North Carolina at Asheville within the admissions department. And every time we're in the room together, people think we're brothers. Uh, <laughs> Just because we're both bigger guys with dark hair and a big beard usually and never fails that when I walk into a room that he's giving an admission session, some student will raise their hand and be like, is that your brother back there? <laughs> One of these days we should just say yes. and see. Yeah, what you happens. should. It really yeah. screws with people. It's great. Because people <laughs> have said, you're not twins. And we're like, yeah, we are. They're like, no, you're not. We're like, okay. Like, sure. <laughs> That's what you want to believe, but we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite. You're not this thing that you've been your entire life. And I've just yeah, exactly. met you. There's no way. <laughs> but we are. It's scientifically proven. So there's that. <laughs> okay. Did we get through all of your notes too? Yeah. Yeah. We got through everything. We got yeah. through my, my full page of, of scratches down. So, I mean, I could have probably talked for another hour on, on lots of different things on how it is working with kids or 
Yeah. Seriously, that's that's what we always say, you know, like we try to keep it at an hour. Well, I think originally we were like, we're going to do it for 30 minutes, but everyone gets so excited about this that we're like, okay, we'll make it an hour now because there's so much to talk about always. Yeah, exactly. And so many people are like, oh, I can't be on the podcast. I don't have anything to say. And I'm like, trust me. And at the end, they're like, I didn't say this, this and that. And I'm like, yep. Mm hmm. How it yeah, goes. we didn't even get to talk about Bush Gardens. I wanted to ask questions about, so we might just have to have you back. So I'm down. That. I'm always down for a part two. Yeah, excellent. Okay, I guess we. I should let my dog out of the bedroom. He's been crying in there since my husband locked him in. Oh, it's so terrible. Pathetic. He wants to spend all of his time in the bedroom until we lock him in there, and then it's torture. <laughs> torture. <laughs> it is. Thank you so one. much, John, for for being on our podcast and for talking to us about all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely want to go back to Asheville now because, like I said, I spent like two nights there. Um, yeah. But there's such awesome areas. Like, it, there's so many good parks and, and hiking stuff around there that I want to visit. So I've never even been to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that needs to change one. And Asheville. Asheville is so great because we are. And this is a, this is always this is from my 40 hour week job. Um, UNC Asheville is a mile from downtown, which is the biggest city west of Charlotte in North Carolina. And we are 30 minutes from three entrances to the Blue Ridge Parkway. So, uh, yep. play downtown, play out, play out in the beautiful sites and go to Biltmore. Yes, and... that's what Matt and I did. Biltmore. That sounds like a fancy house, right? It's, um, yeah, one of it the, is, um... it is the largest privately owned estate in the United States. What's the family? It's the, um, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt. Yeah. Ah, yes, that's, that's why you know I know it. it. The Vanderbilt. Yeah. And the and fun fact is, uh, Vanderbilt family still lives there. It's like wow. a summer home. It's like a summer home, and they, uh, like will sneak in. And I don't know where in the house, but yeah. Well, it's so big that I mean, when we did a tour of it, I think we saw like one floor. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So. It takes a couple hours to get a real good tour of the of the house, and that's just the house. There's also the the, garden. the gardens. Yeah, and then they have their whole. There's like a Biltmore Village that has the winery. Yes, and... oh, we totally did the wine tasting in the winery. Yep. Okay, it's really yeah. cool. Twin, I'm gonna have to go there because I haven't been to that uh, Vanderbilt estate yet. Yeah, it's. All, I'm sorry I sent you pictures of it when we went. It's really cool. I'm sure you did. Yeah, y'all, y'all, let me know when you come, and uh, we can go mm. to Biltmore, and then um, hopefully, if everything's open back up, and I have a key, I'll, I'll bring you to the theater. Yes, <laughs> nothing better than awesome. backstage tours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want a backstage tour, you can just go to my YouTube channel and go through all those videos. From okay, when I was is your the... YouTube channel back uh, standby go, or is it a different thing? It's just John O'Neill. Yeah, it's all kind of all within one. My headshot is there. Okay, but so yeah, it has all the all it. the backstage stuff from uh, Wizard of Oz, which includes some very very adorable Munchkins. So. <laughs> Perfect. Who doesn't like cute little kids when they're acting nicely? Yeah. When <laughs> they're acting nicely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to switch for these things. <laughs> I still I still talk to a couple of them too. There's one there's one I you know, I FaceTimed with her the other day. They're so. probably That's... so excited. A grown up paying attention to them. Yeah. Well there 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 were two of the munchkins who like they would w- walk into the theater, come hug me, and then go sign in. Like that was their, that was routine. their routine. Yep. Aww. I have to see John. I have to go sign in. Much <laughs> to the chagrin of the stage manager. 
<laughs> right? It's <laughs> like, can you please just sign in already? <laughs> when I typed in your name, the first thing that popped up was Standby Go Episode 3 with Matt Stern. Awesome. Perfect. We want oh, yeah. to tag all so of these things. Matt puts his little thingy up so you can't see the rest of his kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's usually where he does it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, Thank you so much, Before we keep John. talking really for another wonderful. hour. <laughs> I know. I will. Yeah. It's true. Well, okay. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we'll have to get you you all on standby go. And, Absolutely. Um, and have a, a second part where we can talk about Bush Gardens and um, other and... crazy things that have happened. Because <laughs> right. there'll be more crazy things by then, hopefully. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, thank you. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstalktheater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.